We are recording. Welcome, podcast listeners, podcast pirates. Yar, podcast pirates of Astahoy. Welcome to Bacon and Eggs. Bacon and Waffles with David and Mommy. Today we are continuing Treasure Island, which we're almost halfway through the book, by Robert Louis Stevenson. And we are on chapter 10, which is called The Voyage. All that night we were in a great bustle getting things stowed in their place, and boatfuls of the squire's friends, Mr. Blandley and the like, coming off to wish him a good voyage and a safe return. We never had a night at the Admiral Benbow when I had half the work, and I was dog-tired when, a little before dawn, the boatswain sounded his pipe, and the crew began to man the capstan bars. I am almost done stuffing cake. Oh, okay. David's putting a teeny piece of bacon into each of his little waffle squares. Um, it might have been I might have been twice as weary yet I would not have left the deck all was so new and interesting to me the brief commands, the shrill note of the whistle the men bustling to their places and the glimmer of the ship's lanterns now barbecue tip us a stave cried one voice the old one cried another aye aye mates said Long John, who was standing by with his crutch under his arm, and at once broke out in the air in words I knew so well. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest! And then the whole crew bore chorus. Yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum! And at the third ho drove the bars before them with a will. Even at that exciting moment, it carried me back to the old Admiral Benbow. In a second, I seemed to hear the voice of the captain piping in the chorus. But soon the anchor was shored up, soon it was hanging, dripping at the bows, soon at the bows, soon the sails began to draw and the land and shipping to flit by on either side. And before I could lie down and snatch an hour of slumber, the Hispaniola had begun her voyage to the Isle of Treasure. I'm not going to relate that voyage in detail. It was fairly prosperous. The ship proved to be a good ship. The crew were capable seamen and the captain thoroughly understood his business. But before we came the length of Treasure Island, two or three things happened which required to be known. Mr. Arrow, first of all, turned out even worse than the captain had feared. He had no command among the men, and the people did what they pleased with him. But that was by no means the worse of it, for a day or two, after a day or two at sea, he began to peer on deck with a hazy eye, red cheeks, stuttering tongue, tongue, and other marks of drunkenness. Time after time, he was ordered below in disgrace. Sometimes he fell and cut himself. Sometimes he lay all day in his little bunk at one side of the companion. Sometimes for a day or two he would be almost sober and attend his work at least passably. In the meantime, we could never make out where he got the drink. That was the ship's mystery. Watch him as we pleased, we could do nothing to solve it. For when we asked him to his face, he would only laugh if he were drunk. And if he were sober, deny solemnly that he ever tasted anything but water. He was not only useless as an officer, but a bad influence amongst the men. But it was plain that at this rate he must soon kill himself outright, so nobody was much surprised, nor very sorry, when one dark night, with the head sea, he disappeared entirely, and was seen no more. "'Overboard!' said the captain. "'Well, gentlemen, that saves the trouble of putting him in irons.' But there were without a mate... But there we were without a mate, and it was necessary, of course, to advance one of the men. 
The boatswain, Job Anderson, was the likeliest man aboard, though he kept his old title, and he served in a way as a mate. Mr. Trelawney had followed the sea, and his knowledge made him very useful, for he often took watch himself in an easy weather. And the coxswain, Israel Hands, was careful, wily old was a careful, wily old, experienced seaman who could be trusted in a pinch with almost anything. He was a great confidant of Long John Silver, and so the mention of his name leads me to speak on our ship's cook, barbecue, cook barbecue, as the men called him. Aboard ship he carried a crutch by a lanyard round his neck, to have both hands as free as possible. It was something to see him wedge the foot of the crutch against a bulkhead, and propped against it, yielding to every movement of the ship, get on with his cooking like someone safe ashore. Still more strange was it to see him in the heaviest of weather across the deck. He had a line or two rigged up to help him across the widest spaces, Long John's earrings, as they were called and he would hand himself from one place to another, now using the crutch, now trailing it alongside by the, by the lanyard, as quickly as a man could walk. Yet some of the men who, hailed, who sailed with him before expressed their pity to see him so reduced. "'He's no common man, barbecue,' said the coxswain to me. "'He had a good schooling in his young days, and can speak like a book when so minded, and brave.' A lion's nothing alongside it, Long John. I've seen him grapple four and knock their heads together, him unarmed. Bobby, this is how fast I can go when I walk. This is how fast I can go when I walk. Oh, wow. It's pretty fast, honey. Hey, do you want to read the rest of this chapter? I'll play while you read Well, honey, you can't make noise, though, because we're on the podcast. I am not. Okay, well, I'm gonna, I can read it, but I'm gonna ask you questions after it's done, so I hope you're gonna listen and pay attention, okay? Okay. All the crew respected and even obeyed him. He had a way of talking to each other, to each, and doing everybody some particular service. To me, he was unwearied, unwearied kind, unweariedly kind and always glad to see me in the galley, which he kept as clean as a new pin, the dishes hanging up, burnished, and his parrot in a cage in one corner. Come away, Hawkins, he would say. Come and have a yarn with John. Nobody more welcome than yourself, my son. Sit you down and hear the news. Here's Captain Flint. I calls my parrot Captain Flint after the famous buccaneer. Here's Captain Flint predicting success to our voyage. Wasn't she, Cap? And the parrot would say with great rapidity, Pizza's all right! Pizza's all right! Pizza's all right! Till you wondered that it was not out of breath or till John threw his handkerchief over the cage. Now that bird, he would say, is maybe 200 years old, Hawkins. They live forever, mostly. And if anybody's seen more wickedness, it must be the devil himself. She sailed with England, with the great Captain England, the pirate. She's been at Madagascar, and at Malabar, and at Suriname, and at Province, and at Portobello. She was at the fighting up of the wrecked pirate ships. She's learned, if it's there, she learned pieces of eight. Little wonder, 350,000 of them, Hawkins. She was at the boarding of the Viceroy of the Indies out of Goa, she was. And to look at her, you'd think she was a baby. But you smelt powder, didn't you, Captain? Stand by to go about, the parrot would scream. Ah, she's a handsome craft, she is, the cook would say, and give her sugar from his pocket. Then the bird would peck at the bars and swear straight on. 
passing belief for wickedness. There, Long John would add, you can't touch pitch and not be mucked, lad. Here's this poor old innocent bird of mine swearing blue fire, and none the wiser you may light it at. She would swear the same in a manner of speaking before the captain. What's wrong? Do you want to go party? We could pause the book, honey. Okay. Okay, we're back. You ready? Let's see. <clears throat> okay, he's coming over. <laughs> this is the only way to travel by plane. Very cool. I don't have anything about the next cars. No, I guess you don't. Are you ready to finish reading this chapter? It's not that long. It's this page and this page. Let's count the paragraphs. So, do you see that the spaces in before the I? That's called an indentation. Indentation that tells you you're at the beginning of a paragraph. So, one, two, approximately, three, four, five. Thank you, Elite Chapter 11. No, let's read. Let's finish Chapter 10, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll do your schoolwork, okay? And then Chapter 11. Well, we could read Chapter 11 later on today if you want. All right, you ready? We'll read the one tonight. So Jim is talking to Long John. Okay. <clears throat> In the meantime, the squire made and Captain Smollett were still on pretty distant terms with each other. The squire made no bones about the matter. He despised the captain. Please don't make noise, okay? Because it'll be loud for our podcast listeners and when we, when we go back to listen to it. <clears throat> Honey. No noise. The captain, on his part, never spoke but when he was spoken to, and then sharp and short and dry, not a word wasted. He owned, when driven into a corner, that he seemed to have been wrong about the crew that some of them were as brisk as he wanted to see, and all had behaved fairly well. As for the ship, he had taken a downright fancy to her. She'll lie a point nearer the wind than a man has a right to expect of his own married wife, sir. But, he would say, all I say is, we're not home again, and I don't like the cruise. The squire at this would turn away and march up and down the deck, chin in air. A trifle more of that man, he would say, and I shall explode. We had some heavy weather, which only proved the qualities of the Hispaniola. Every man on board seemed well content, and they must have been hard to please if they had been otherwise, for it is my belief that was never a ship's company so spoiled since Noah to put out to sea. Double grog was going on the least excuse, and there was duff on odd days, as, for instance, if the squire had heard it was any man's birthday, and always... <clears throat> and a barrel of apples standing broached in the waist for anyone to help himself that had a fancy. Never known good to come of it yet, the captain said to Dr. Livesey. Spoil forecastle hands, make devils. That's my belief. But good did come of the apple barrel, as you shall hear. For if it had not been for that, we should have had no warning of all, and we should have had no note of warning, and might all have perished by the hand of treachery. This was how it came about. We had run up the trades to get the wind of the island, and we were after. 
I'm not allowed to be more plain, but now we were running down for it with a bright lookout day and night. It was about the last day of our outward voyage by the largest computation. Sometime that night, or at latest before noon of the morrow, we should set sight for we should set we should sight the treasure island. We were heading south southwest and a breezy beam and a steady breeze a beam and a quiet sea. The Hispaniola rolled steadily, dipping her bowsprit now and then with a whiff of spray. All was drawing a allow, allow and aloft. Everyone was in the bravest of spirits, because now we were so near an end to the first part of our adventure. They're going to be seeing the island very soon. That's what he's talking about. They're all really excited because they're getting really close to the island. Now, just after sundown, when all my work was over and I was on my way to my berth, it occurred to me that I should like an apple. I ran on deck. The watch was all forward looking out for the island. The man at the helm was watching the luff of the sail and whistling away gently to himself, and that was the only sound excepting the swish of the sea against the bows and around the sides of the ship. And I got bodily to, to the apple barrel and found there was scarce an apple left, but sitting down there in the dark with the sound of the waters and the rocking movement of the ship, I had either fallen asleep or was on the point of doing so when a heavy man sat down with a rather a clash close by. The barrel shook as he leaned his shoulders against it, and I was just about to jump up when the man began to speak. It was Silver's voice, and before I had heard a dozen words, I would not have shown myself for all the world, but lay there trembling and listening in the extreme fe of fear and curiosity, for when from these dozen words I understood that the lives of all honest men aboard depended upon me alone. So do you know what just happened? So they were all really excited that um, they're going to get to the island soon. And one day, Jim was um, about to go down to bed, to his hammock, below decks. Oh, I'm just So Jim Hawkins wanted an apple, and he so he went onto the deck because there was an apple barrel on the deck, but the apple barrel was almost empty. There was just like one or two apples left in it, so he had to get in it. The apple barrel is about the size of that barrel over there that we have, Daddy's barrel. Um, Daddy has a whiskey barrel that's open in the middle, and he uses it for his whiskey and rum to like a table. Whiskey doesn't mean it. What? You don't. Mean it too. Whiskey is also the name of a type of drink that pirates like. And some daddies like too. Um, so he had to climb into 
the barrel. Can you imagine climbing into that barrel? He had to climb into the barrel all the way in to get the, an apple, and he was sitting on the, on the, in the barrel, um, and he was really tired, so he fell asleep or almost fell asleep, and then someone sat next to the barrel and didn't realize he was in it and shook the barrel a little bit. <gasps> didn't realize he was in there, and then he heard um, whose voice? Long. Long John Silver's voice. And he's saying that what they said made him realize that his life and all of the honest men on the ship's lives were in danger. What? And in the next chapter, we're gonna we're gonna learn what was said. Is the next chapter is chapter eleven, and it's called "What I Heard in the Bathroom." Now, we got another clue in this chapter that Long John might not be a good guy. Do you know what that clue is? So, Jim was talking to Long John, and Long John was telling him about his parrot. Do you remember what the parrot's name is? No. The parrot's name was Captain Flint. Captain Flint. Do you remember what Billy Bones said? about um, who he sailed with. He sailed with a pirate called Captain Flint. So Long John's parrot has the same name as a real pirate named Captain Flint. And they all have something to do with this treasure. And then there was another clue at the beginning of the chapter. Do you remember what it was? No. So Long John came aboard. He was aboard. And they were they were letting go of the ropes from the dock so that the ship could sail. And the crew said, called for Long John to sing to them. Now barbecue, tip us a stave. The old one. Aye, aye, mates said Long John, who was standing by. And he broke out at once in the air and words I knew so well. Oh. Fifteen men on a dead man's chest. Yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of rum. Why is that a clue? Because pirates are Because Billy Bones used to say that. Man, the evidence is stacking up here, so... Billy Bones. Against Long John, right? Billy <clears throat> so, Bones said, beware of a seafaring man with one. Right, and Long John is a seafaring man with one leg. Long John sings the same song as Billy, Billy Bones. Bones used to sing. Long John's parrot has the same name as Billy Bones' captain. Oh, and who was in Long John's pub? Black Dog. Black Dog. This all seems very suspicious. I don't think that Jim has been suspicious up until now, though. You and I would have been suspicious before now, right? Because we look at evidence. But I think that Jim was so charmed by Long John, just like everybody else was, that even though all this evidence was saying, hey, he's not a good guy, Jim said, oh, no, it's okay. You know, just ignore that. I'll ignore the evidence. But now, he's not going to be able to ignore it for much longer. 
because we're going to learn in the next chapter what he heard in the Azazel. Mm. All right, I'm excited to read that with you. What I put in the cat. Yeah. All right, would you like to have a little break before we do our work? Dad, you're You're blocking me playing, brothers. <laughs> Can you say bye-bye, podcast listeners? Bye-bye, podcast pirates. Bye-bye, pirate bad podcast listeners. Arr, bye, podcast pirates. We be talking to you later when we be reading chapter 11 of What I Robert Would. Robert Stevenson's Treasure Island. What I Would in the